Welcome, TTB community. I am Bob Domena, and here with me, as always, is the very adept Elliot Shibley. Oh, thank you, Bob. You're welcome. Before we get into the episode, per usual, we're going to talk about some changes on our website. We have some travel gear that Bob and I both really enjoy that are links to Amazon. So if you purchase through them, we get a little bit of a commission. It's great. All of these products are either stuff we have used or stuff we would like to use. And it includes backpacks, water bottles, chargers, other travel gear items of the sorts. Also, our book trip page will have links to various other guests that have a tour company or some kind of offering. And you can click and order through them, help us out a little bit. And that would be wonderful. Now, the ever important question from last week's trivia was for Mark Philpott and it was what sport did Mark play that allowed him to travel? And the answer to that was tennis. Did Mark strike you as a tennis player? Yes. Yeah. Yep. He, did, he did to me too. I was like, he's, before he even said it, before he said he was a tennis player, I was like, I'm going to guess tennis. He's from if, I, if I had to pick a sport, it would have been like tennis. I, rugby, maybe. Yeah. Rugby was another one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That was a great podcast. All if right. You knew that, if you knew that and you reached out to us, we will be reaching out to you. If you didn't get a chance to answer it, you can tune into the end of this episode and email us at thetravelersblueprint at gmail.com or direct message us on Instagram. And again, that will be listed at the end of this show for our current guest. All right. Today, our guests today, and that is guests, uh, plural, uh, gave us a discussion on a recent trip to Southeast Asia. We talked about traveling as members of the LGBTQ community, uh, travel as a transformation, which was a big one. And I, it was just, you know, it was just an all around travel conversation. It was really insightful. It was great to hear about their experiences. They're very passionate about traveling and they're kind of just getting off the ground as far as traveling together goes. So we, we learned a ton. I was really fun talking to them. Um, so without further introduction, please give it up for our next guests, Kirsty and Christine. So the Welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint. Start designing your next adventure. Kirsty and Christine, welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint podcast. Hello. <laughs> so Bob and I came across your Instagram page, as we do many of our guests. And a few years ago, you guys both left your day-to-day jobs living in New York City, working, and have now started to travel the world. And your intention is to be an inspiration for travelers and the LGBTQ community. And collectively, you have traveled to 40 countries together. And we'd love to talk to you about your experiences. Yeah, yeah awesome. Sounds great. <laughs> so when did you guys start traveling? Um, we've always kind of traveled. So even when we first met, we went to Thailand. We did some trips here and there. Um, but this was the first ever extended trip that we've done together. Um, With a backpack, yeah. kind of knowing that we had no end date. Yeah, together. So that was in April. Yeah. We we left uh, April of last year, and we kind of when I when I kind of convinced her to quit her job and you know we get rid of the apartment and everything. I was like, yeah, we'll just go for two months, three months, you know. And then every time she would agree, I'd be like, okay, now four months, you know. And then it, <laughs> it turned into eight months, so it was great. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So so Christine, how did you actually go? You you just quit. You just quit and and left for Southeast Asia. We were talking about it a bit. So I used to be in advertising. Um, so I worked at an agency under the Heineken account. 
So I was really familiar with advertising and things like that. Um, and then I kind of was like, you know what, I can come back to this. Mm. Um, it's not going anywhere. I think the hardest part for me was just committing, buying the ticket and being mm. like, all right, this is the date. <clears throat> um, but yeah, I kind of let my uh, staff know and they were kind of like, shit. Yeah, right. That's, it's it's one of those things. We've talked to people who have done it a bunch at this point, right, Elliot? Yeah. But it's one of those things that you're never really ready for. That yeah. you just yeah. because the more you think about it, the you can scare yourself out of it. Oh, so yeah. at some point, you just need to say, you know what? I've done my research. I'm, sure. I'm just pulling the trigger, and I'm going to go. It's yeah. so easy too for people to be like automatically. They, they want to be supportive, but it's also like, well, you got to be careful. And it's a lot of kind of fear conversations, you know, built into it. Yeah, you're kind before of like, oh, even no. saying like, oh, wow, that's amazing. Yeah. That's, like, how are you doing that? Yeah, but what are you going to do? What are you going to do when you come back? Are you going to have enough money? And you're kind of like, oh, maybe I wasn't as prepared, but you really are. You just, um, it's, it's the scariest part is getting on the plane and buying the ticket, you know? And once you get there, we, we tell people all the time, you know, once you get there, it kind of rolls into place for you. you it's like survival mode. Yeah, you yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have to make this work. You have to yeah. put the puzzle together. Um and you know, everything kind of just works out for itself. It's good. It's really cool. So what was the game plan for this trip? Did you have countries lined up that you were gonna go into or did you just go to one? Did you start somewhere and then just let let it snowball however it, it went? So she's the planner. Yeah. I'm I'm the worst when it comes to plans. I'm kinda like, ah, you yeah, know, I don't know what today me. is, so I'll go wherever, you know. Um it, it's good to have a balance of those personalities too. Yeah. Because you never wanna be so much on an itinerary where you're like oh, well now I can't make this time and now I don't know what to do because mm -hmm. the reality the reality is you are making the best of your time and this is your time you can do what you want with it um so we had countries in mind when we left we were like okay Vietnam definitely want to do that definitely want to do Singapore and then everything else kind of just worked its way around mm -hmm. and I think the, the more we Travel. The more we traveled, the longer a bucket list got. So we were like, well, I had no intention of going to Malaysia, but let's let's go. Yeah, let's do it. We have an extra two weeks. And then we were like, well, actually, Malaysia ended up being one of my favorite countries. And we were like, well, why don't we stay here, <laughs> extend our visa, yeah, stay here longer. We stay there a month and a half. Yeah. So, so. I think I think the balance of it both is kind of having a, an itinerary as a, as a backup plan. But then you'll meet people along the way that kind of guide Steer your you. – yeah. So the direction that you want. <clears throat> we have yeah, a backup plan, but it's not super set in stone. And we don't usually buy round trip tickets or anything like that because we have no clue when we'll be back <laughs> or when we're leaving. Typically. Huh. Yeah. And now did you save enough to keep you out there for that long, such an extended period of time, or were you trying to make money on the fly? Well, I think this is also a balance of our personalities. Cause again, I was never the planner before we met. And I would always just go on the nickel and dime. And then she was kind of like, listen, I want to go, but we're going to do it like with a plan um, in the sense of we'll have a certain amount of money to travel and a certain amount of money to come back to whenever we're done traveling. Um, so that's, that's good. So it was our safety bucket. So yeah. we knew, hey, if this doesn't work out, like let's say we blow it in a month, yeah. <laughs> we'd still come back and have our safety zone and safety net. Um, so that kind of worked out. Um, but with our budget that we planned for, we only spent half of it mm -hmm. um, wow. in the eight months. That's how affordable Asia is. It's, it's incredible. Like the, yeah. the how far your dollar goes is insane. And 
and so beautiful. You can do all the crazy things. Like we did hot air balloons. We swam with sharks. Yeah. We, we definitely didn't limit ourselves. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's just how affordable it is there, you know, like where you can actually go and do most experiences. Really cool. That's, uh, that's right. Um, I was just reminded you, you swam with uh, whale sharks, right? In, oh, was it, was so it the Philippines? The Philippines, yep. yes. It was. How was that? Insane. Um, yeah. It's just, you can't imagine fish being the size of a school bus. Brain yeah. <laughs> can't really, no. even when you're swimming next to them, it's hard to kind of comprehend what it is and how big it is and how small you feel. I mean, you know, it's because yeah. it's so massive that you're just kind of like, you know, I, you've never seen anything that size. And yeah. also, I learned how to swim on this trip. Like, I, <laughs> I did yeah. not have swim. So, me also being like, okay, I don't know how to swim very well. All the fears. I'm just going <laughs> to hop in with a giant whale shark. Yeah, no, it was <laughs> bucket list, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I, yeah. I think I would have been pretty scared, to be honest, being yeah. in the water with something so big. And Well, I guess <laughs> it is also the fear thing. But when you, when you actually do the research on it, um, they're gentle creatures. Yeah, they're actually oh, yeah. like known as being gentle giants. Like they, their mouths aren't even big enough to swallow a human. So that's good to know. Realistically, yeah, good to know. <laughs> they're fine. It's just like wow, this is a massive. I can't. You know, it looks scary. What is the, it? the pictures are incredible. Oh, thank, thank you. you, thank yeah. you so much. Well, I, actually, Bob and I kind of were talking to you about this before the episode, and well, earlier this week. How do you guys actually take your photos? Because you always are in the shots yourself. It's this is a little bit of the behind the scenes that we're getting getting into, but that's very important to travel and travel photography. Mm. Yeah. So I think when we started traveling, we didn't originally think to launch an Instagram account where we take these pictures. Um, but it kind of just worked out that way. You'd see amazing things. And a lot of the time, it's not us doing it. It's what it actually is. So it's what's behind us that's making this the picture photo, right. amazing. Yeah. Well, I mean, we were in, um, where were we, Myanmar, I think? And we found this little, in the middle of nowhere, we found this little uh, photography booth. And she walked in. She was like, should we get a tripod? And it yeah. ended up being a $15 tripod. It has Bluetooth remote on it. And that thing is my, my favorite. Yeah. You know, like, I love it. We take it everywhere we go because, you know, you can throw it on your back and then we're like, wow, this is a great shot. Why don't we just pull it out? Yeah. And then we're like, ready, post, click, 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 click. <laughs> and, and so, and then it, you know, it takes a few times. There's a lot in the behind the scenes, like you say, yeah, it's not always the first picture, but it's, it's fun. I think that's the creative side that we like to explore, you know, so. yeah. that we also found out while traveling. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely yeah. A we decided that we Photography would is always really fun. And I mean, it's so fun even without travel, but then coupling it with travel makes it even more exciting because you always have a changing landscape that you can learn to take pictures of. True. Yeah, but, and you guys are very good at using the new, the new landscape, whether they're like beach pictures, the one that you sent us where you're each laying in the sand, but across from each other, it's just, they're very cool ideas and they're very yeah. appealing photos. I'm, I'm assuming you used a drone for that one. That one was, yeah, that one's the drone. Um, that's your, love. Actually your first That baby. one is my baby. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I love you, but that, that's my first baby. Yeah. The drone is incredible for different perspectives. Um, and so, you know, you, don't, you just can't even wrap your mind again. You can't wrap your mind around how beautiful things are around you and sometimes you're on the floor, uh, on the ground. So it's awesome to get that different perspective. Um, and whenever it comes to the photography, it's us kind of pushing our limit to see well, we have a picture laying down on the beach. How can we make it different? And, you know, playing with the, because that was a pink beach, um, playing with the sand and the colors, 
um, and the blue turquoise water. It was so blue. It just really went well together. And that was your idea, right? So yeah. like you, she was like, like, why don't I lay over there <laughs> and you lay over there? I'm like, okay. Sure. It turned out great. It Thank did. you. Thank what, you. What type of drone do you have? Uh, I have the Maverick Pro. So I have the first one. Um, I actually bought it from secondhand. DJI. Yeah. So it's a DJI. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, bought it secondhand from a friend just because I was like, I have no idea what this is. I have no idea how to fly this. I'm not going to buy a yeah. brand new one, but it actually it was perfect condition. It's awesome. I only crashed it once. That's good. Cool. <laughs> does, it, does it still work? It does. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's all that uh, matters. It's very windy. I don't underestimate the wind if you're going to buy a drone. <laughs> it's yeah. a little scary when they you know, flies off on its own. <laughs> yes, yeah, it is. <laughs> I've had my, I've, I've lost one. Um, and then it just came back. I thought it was gone. It, it went away in the wind. It's the one that I had. I thought it left forever. Um, it's scary. <laughs> but my, the one that I have has like a GPS system in it. So it remembers where it took off from and it came back yep. automatically. It's a DJI too. It's a spark. It's like the little tiny one. It's, oh, yeah. it's like the size of a cell phone almost. Yeah. yeah. It's funny because they can, they can be, you know, super smart and come where they can just randomly be like, ah, error, and then fly off. Like we've had some of our friends lose drones like, like in the Maldives. Or... To the Maldives and it just like took Whoa. off and never came back. And Whoa. he was like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Over the ocean. Yeah, you just kind of look at it like, oh, that's sad. <laughs> you know? It's scary driving. Yeah, I always worry about losing mine. I mean, we. Uh, yeah. I drove it around in Peru, um, which was kind of scary. Uh, I, I brought it to over a cliff. I, 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 well, I brought it up to the top of tops of mountains plenty of times in Hawaii, all Colorado, Colorado, Washington, everything. But um, where, where did I take it? That was actually very scary. I don't remember now. I the, just had the it. Beach? No, I took it. To when the it was beach super windy. Hawaii, yeah. Oh, I don't know if it's scarier if it's like scarier flying it off of mountains or over the water because I feel like. <laughs> The water, once you, it goes down that water, you're done. Like, at least maybe you can recover it if it's in a mountain, but it, it, way, it's yeah. so scary because it's just the slightest bit of wind and you can see it going like that. Yeah. Oh, 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 so this is this is what happened. So one time I was flying it in Hawaii Volcanoes National Park where, where um, drones are very, they're banned and it's strictly enforced. Okay. So I, I fly it up to get it, pictures of the volcano and out of nowhere, it just shuts off completely and just falls down. And there's like this guy looking at the volcanoes and I had to like save him. I put my hand out and it just smashed into my hand and oh, it hit the ground. But the only thing to break were the propellers, which I had replacements for. That's but I'm, I'm still convinced that like Volcano National Park has some like EMP <laughs> system that it just shot, like killed the electricity out of the sky. Definitely. And made it I don't know if your version has it, uh, but the the DJI we can like even when we flew it in Croatia, um, I think Kovar it'll, it'll send like a warning of some sort saying you know this is an area where you can't drone, and I don't think it will let you. Sometimes it won't let you. Sometimes it won't even let you take it off. Um, sometimes yeah. it'll be like you're near a no fly zone. Uh, just be careful, and then you you know you sign a like a Little virtual waiver, waiver yeah, <laughs> saying right. hey, I take risk, mm. you know. Um, which yeah. is also scary, but um, yeah, no, it's, it's definitely, I mean, they're amazing, amazing. Um, I say toy, but it's not a toy, but it's a, a lot of responsibility with it. And also I get a little scared. I don't, I never want to be disrespectful to, and especially in different cultures. Um, so I, I don't actually fly it as much as I would love to, because you can use it honestly everywhere. Yeah. But like temples and things. Yeah. Like we don't, yeah. we don't like to fly it over, you know, like cultural, you know, heritage spots. Like it, it in the way I don't want to make it disrespectful um 
And also it makes a really loud noise. So if there's a bunch of tourists around, I'm always like, I don't want to be yeah, that person. It just calls attention to you. <laughs> yeah. It does. It yeah. Does. It is loud. It's so, so loud. I, I kind of feel like a tool bag flying yeah. it before. Yeah. Like everybody just, <laughs> I don't know. As soon as you turn it on, it just sounds like a swarm of bees. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they're trying to make quieter versions of them. So that oh, it doesn't, okay. so it only sounds like one bee instead of millions. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, yeah. we we should be happy about that. Right, right. right. Yeah. Because right now it is very loud and very obnoxious. So yeah. even when we fly it for the hotels that we get, you know, we get sponsored and stuff like that, we have to pick the time that we feel like it's going to be less annoying for people to wake up and hear it right outside, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah there's a lot of factors into it, definitely. Yeah. I want to jump back a little bit to before you even started to travel. Bob, ask Ooh. a little bit of when you started, but I want to know why you started. I, so when actually I, I met my friend Jillian in Australia, um, I've been obsessed with traveling for years. Like I, I, I'm from Tennessee originally, but I moved to San Francisco. I've lived in Texas. I've lived, you know, I've lived in Australia for a year. I, I love to bounce around. I'm a little bit of a gypsy in that sense. Um, mm-hmm. So when I moved to New York, I was only intending on being here for like four months to begin with. Um, and I was going to move to New Zealand. Um, but then I met Christine and you know, of course, I stayed in New York for the past three years, of course, you know, so I extended my stay a little bit longer. Um, but it was always in the back of my head, like, you want to, I want to continue traveling. Like, it's, it's never been a finished thing for me. But you have already, you've always traveled, but like, shorter trips. In spurts, yeah. yeah. So I think a lot of the time, people confuse travel versus vacation. So we'll always get this notion where it's like, oh, how is vacation for eight months? And it's like, no, yeah. it's a little harder than vacation. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's something that I've always wanted to do and see the world and do it from like a local's perspective or, you know, just have the time to sit down on a beach and talk to someone that lives there or has moved there. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so I definitely just had it in the back of my mind. And then when Kirstie and I met, it kind of worked out perfect because I was like, well, I want to do this anyway. I just haven't found the right person to, you know, make. <laughs> make Actually, one of our first conversations was I was like, uh, yeah, I love Asia. And you're like, I really want to uh, go yeah, there. I was considering even you doing were already it doing myself. it before. And I was like, ooh, maybe. We should <laughs> and, you know, long story, we ended up going together. And I was like, let me plant these seeds over the next three years. Like, yeah. Asia. <laughs> So even though even though Christine is the planner when it comes to travel, you're the planner when it comes to getting someone else to travel. Yes. <laughs> I'm definitely the, you know, the instigator. The instigator. Yes. Because I love to travel and I, I have a huge um, respect for people that can travel by themselves, but I personally love to travel with someone. And it was, you know, it was perfect because, you know, obviously we've been dating for three years now and it's, it is so perfect for us to go and experience this from a different perspective than just a, with a friend or a travel partner. It's like you are traveling as a couple and you have to overcome so many different obstacles through that, that you wouldn't necessarily have to go through without going through an extended travel trip, you know, and you learn a lot about each other. You get yeah, very close personal. and you, you go <laughs> yeah. through things that you probably wouldn't otherwise. So it's definitely an amazing challenge that's even brought us closer. Yeah. Yeah. Travel is amazing in that regard. I read a book recently this past year. It's called Travel as a Transformation. <clears throat> and it was, I, I listened to it. It was like an, an audible. Um, and it was only a few hours, but it was all about how uh, as you travel, not only do you learn about yourself, but you learn about the world around you. And it's just one entire, this learning experience from, from start to finish, whether it's with the culture and the architecture, the food, meeting the new people, 
learning about how you deal with these situations in a foreign country. Yeah, it's just it's it's such a well-rounded experience. Um, Even if personally. that's not your intention going, if maybe you just want to see the world, I feel like you learn, and it's, it's such an amazing and positive way of uh, opening your mind and um, learning about other cultures. Even if that's not what you you know set exactly. out to do. That's you end up doing it and you come back totally different uh, with a different mindset and you see people differently. And I, I love that about it because you you transform even without even realizing it. And then you come back and you're like, oh, wow, you know, I see things so different um, than you typically would. You know? Yeah, I always love talking about how it's for Bob and myself. We've experienced reverse culture shock coming back to the United States after being somewhere very different. Yeah. And what are some experiences you've had, especially traveling in Southeast Asia for eight months coming back to the U.S.? What did you notice differently? I, well, we miss the food. <laughs> we, we miss the Asian food, but like I, we miss Asian food now more than we actually missed American, American food, food when we were traveling, if that makes sense. Yes. Like you would think that we would be the other way around, but no, I'm like, I miss my curries. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Vegetables, everything. Yeah. And it's so cheap. Yeah, so cheap. It's yeah, ridiculous. when you come back to New York and you're buying dollar <laughs> yeah. beers, you're like, ah, that lasts me like five yeah. meals. <laughs> yeah. So it's a little hard when you come back. It's it's one thing to be like culture shock in America, but it's another even whole other ball game to be culture shock in New York, where it's you know you're you're living on the beach, you're you're traveling, uh, you get to wear flip flops every day, and then you come back, especially during the winter. We yeah. come back and it's. 30 degrees outside. We haven't worn a jacket. We haven't worn a jacket in eight months and you know, it's crowded and people are everywhere, but it's the fast pace and you really have to kind of adjust very quickly um, back to the American, you know, fast paced lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've also noticed just how we feel mentally, bodily, Mm -hmm. like what are, what kind of foods we're eating here? Like even when we try to eat healthy, it doesn't feel the same. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't. Um, I think when we started this trip, we lost weight. Yeah, maybe like 15. we ate more. Yeah, but we but we lost weight because I think it's so organic, um, and without the chemicals, and all the preservatives and everything. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's, it makes a huge difference. It's insane. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why even even the pasta in Italy, I, I believe, isn't manufactured the same way as it is in the United States, and it's yeah. way healthier for you. True, mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. So we, I mean. We've becoming, you know, more and more vegetarian. We're not vegetarian, but we eat, you know, less, less meat. Um, just because you're also exposed to it, uh, you know, the food culture there. Like here, you know, you eat chicken, you don't see the chicken before you eat it. But there, you know, we, we started becoming more mindful of that. Um, and it's just really cool because you see the transformation your body goes through as well. And and also, this is the, you know, I come, I'm a bartender um, in the media Heineken. industry, Heineken. So we came from a drinking industries and we stopped drinking while we were there. And our, uh, you know, our, our bodies just shifted so, so differently that I've never experienced prior to that. Yeah. Cool. It's really cool. Um, do you guys know the Murray Hill area in New York city? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So uh, last March, my wife and two of our friends went there just to hang out for a long weekend. And the, one of the girls we were with loves that area. Her sister's from there and they, call it Curry Hill because it's got a heavy Indian presence. And one of my favorite markets that I've ever been to is Calustians. And it's just all, there are walls of different curries. That's amazing. And we bought probably two pounds of different mixed curry spices and have brought it home. 
here. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah. It's, it's really close to the Flatiron building. Okay. okay. It's like yeah. three or four blocks away, but Calustians, look it up. There you it's, go. You it's awesome. Fix. And then look it up. Yeah. <laughs> right on the corner is a little Indian, uh, it's almost like a convenience store, but it's got Indian sweets. Okay. And they're also amazing. You probably only need one or two. And when we were there, the guy was like, oh, try this one, try this one. So we had probably eight sweets while we were there. <laughs> you got, you got and then, there too. Yeah. And then we bought, you know, three pounds of them. Yeah. But they're all like rice and milk based and yeah. they're delicious. I think, yeah. Cause we, we went to India before like a couple of years ago and that was for a wedding for a wedding and that was incredible okay. um it was the biggest brew tour we've ever done yeah yeah, yeah. much food mm-hmm. um, it was great. that was also one of the best experiences of our lives yeah like someone else's wedding, wedding was one of our <laughs> experiences like, did it well. was it just because it was such a culture cultural um experience for you I know Indian weddings are incredibly elaborate, right? With, oh, and they're a multi-day, multi-day event. Yeah. It's three days. Uh, how many people were there? A thousand. A thousand, over Maybe. a thousand people minimum, you know, and we had, to, we had to dance on stage. We had to do a full performance, yeah. you know, it, it, it was just, we had the henna, we had the outfits. The outfits. We had wow. Multiple. Is the Indian wedding the one where you have to like walk around a table or something? Yes. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. happened for hours. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Were they chic? Is that what it's called? Or is that specific to Thailand? Um, I don't know. The, what We were using the the traditional garment and everything. I just don't remember. Yeah, we used saris and saris and other things. Okay. We had to go actually in Jersey and get fitted for it mm-hmm. um, and everything. And we had to, you know, I, we were clueless like, yeah. how to dress for this. Yeah. yeah, we had the, the everything. It was great. <laughs> it was fun. Yeah, one of our early, early episodes was actually a friend uh, that I went to Penn State with and yeah. one of the, our classmates. He was very good friends with him throughout college and he was from Thailand and actually ended up having an Indian wedding mm-hmm. in Thailand. And he talked a little bit about it. Uh, I was probably a year and a half ago now. Right. Oh yeah, they're so they're amazing. Honestly, now every time you know we meet it someone from India, we're like, let's, yeah. let's go, let's go to their wedding. Yeah. <laughs> right. Where in India were you? Uh, we were in Delhi. Yeah, in Delhi. Uh, okay. Yeah, which is not actually a super great or friendly or touristy yeah. area, but it be, just because it is a city. Um, but I mean, the wedding itself was incredible. Yeah. Did you travel through India? Yeah. Wow. Um, and and how was that? I know India, it's it's a country that is for people who like to travel extensively. It is not for, as you said earlier, uh, Christine, like the vacationer. No, no it's not definitely not even remotely. And you right. also, um, that was definitely one of the, we have to be a lot more aware countries. Um, just of everything that's going around us, um, just because the way we look. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's obvious we are backpacker tourists, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Right. Um, so I feel like yeah. we always had some kind of glance on us. Yeah. Always. It, it was well, just a so this is this is a good way to transition into it. So we had we had a, a gay guy on the podcast when a few weeks ago or maybe a few months ago, Elliot. A few months ago. That was back yeah. in the summer. Was it? It does. <laughs> it does. And so he, he put a bunch he put a bunch of things in, into perspective for us. Um, you know, as he's traveling, it's something that he who he is, mm-hmm. he may have to suppress sometimes and, and it's something that he's constantly aware about. Mm-hmm. Where whereas Elliot and I went through it and we we're like, you know, we never once 
thought about that. Like, you know, we just show up to a country and we act the way we are and we are who we are and we don't really, there's never, there's no need for us to worry. And so, um, you, you two traveling to countries like, I, you know, I don't know how India is, but being a gay couple, have you ever had to suppress who you really are as you travel around or, or worry that there might be backlash because you're just acting in the way that's, that yeah. you want to? Um, so it's interesting because India was one of our favorite places just because it was so beautiful and rich with culture, but it was also one of the scariest places mm -hmm. that we've ever been to just because there's such a intimidating okay. culture um, even against uh, for women, for women yeah. in general, um, it's a it's a man's culture. So, yeah. um, just like female abuse or women abuse is such a common thing there. Like very, yeah. a lot of the time, you'll see cars with stickers that say "Don't abuse women" or something like that. That um, was definitely culture shocking. Because, there's also more yeah. men um, wherever you are. A lot of the time, you'll just be driving by and you'll see maybe 25 men before you see one woman. Mm -hmm. Yeah, wow. it's you kind of get you feel spotlighted in a way. So <clears throat> that's that's pretty intimidating. I mean, we I feel like we aren't always very <clears throat> we are true to ourselves, but we also just try to be <clears throat> also be respectful of different cultures, because obviously um, every, different cultures have different opinions on LGBT. And just because, you know, it is part of who we are, um, we are in their country. You know, and yeah. we don't we don't want to disrespect anyone from that. So we're, we're never like PDA or, you know, we will hold, hold hands, but if it ever feels like we're, um, a, could be put in an offending situation, we, you know, we try to dial back a little bit. Um, but I think, I think for LGBT, there is, you know, we do see There's it quite often. a bit amount of acceptance yeah. in Asia, which is really surprising. Very surprising. Um, so we went to Taiwan as one of the countries on our list and we never planned to. Mm -hmm. um, one of our friends was, that we met traveling, he just said, oh, mm. did you know it's Pride in the next like month or so? And we were kind of like, well, no, we can make Taiwan work. <laughs> yeah, and, but it turned out Taiwan actually just legalized gay marriage this year, um, and it's the only Asian country so far to do so. So wow. this Pride was incredible. It was like it was, monumental, yeah, it was it, historic. And wow, and you guys just happened to be there for it. Yeah, <laughs> well, wow. we didn't. Until we were like, well, now we have to go. You know? yeah, so yeah. Like, like, let's add that to the list. I don't know how this happened, but <laughs> so we kind of just added that in there, and um, and that was really cool. But you, it was amazing to see how much acceptance is in different countries, and um, how how much people just want to be loved in no matter what culture. And there is so much LGBT worldwide, and that uh, so many people have to yeah. suppress it. Um, so that was really cool to see. You know, such a incredible event happening in a different country yeah i think uh, it's not spoken of i think a lot of it is unspoken so it's like you will see lgbt people you or trans or even drag obviously drag queens in thailand especially in thailand yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is the thing lady boys is a thing yeah <laughs> um but it's common everywhere yeah. you saw it everywhere i think it was just an yeah. unspoken here I am. I'm yeah. gonna do what I do. And I also think that they're, um, depending on the country, of course, like they're a little bit more of a touchy culture. So you'll see guys walking around and yeah. holding each other like this, or you know, they're not afraid to be touchy. So I think also I don't know if people just don't assume or whatever that you know you do see girls holding hands all the time, and I don't know if people just automatically think lesbian couple. They don't Im immediately label it. Um, yeah, I think it's just 
you kind of stick to yourself. And as long as you're not being, like I said, the disrespect thing, as long as you're not being disrespectful or in someone's face, I don't think anyone really cares. Or at least we didn't have any, you know, real issues. Yeah. yeah. Not so in you're, Southeast you're never Asia, confronted. Least, yeah. yeah, Southeast yeah, Asia, was, Southeast uh, Asia. It, it felt very accepting, which was great. Um, yeah. We met, so especially in the Philippines, people are like, love is love, you know? Like, <laughs> That's awesome. One love, man. Like, you know, and it's cool. And people very, and I've, I've realized that people actually, um, they, accept it faster. Um, as soon as you're like, you know, we're together, we're a lesbian couple, they're like, oh, cool. All right, cool. Um, and I feel like it's actually sometimes different in the States where people are like, are you sure? But how do you know? And you're just kind of like, oh, oh man, right. people say that? People say that to you? It's still wow. happens. Oh, man. That's, that's ridiculous. We're also sharing our story and sharing our experiences with people, which makes them also become more transformative towards the LGBT community, which is incredible. And I think that that's what um, really sparked our LG, uh, LGBT Instagram and, and our website and everything, because we were traveling, we'd get a lot of messages from people, and families, families and being like, listen, I'm a, I'm a lesbian too. Like, is it safe for me to travel? And we were like, wow, this is, we're getting asked a lot. Why, yeah. why don't we like, help people you know? yeah. and, and it kind of spiraled into this whole thing and now we have a following where people actually reach out and are, ask for our opinions and it's really cool um, to be a part of helping people well, what would be some of your biggest tips for, for people in the uh, the lgbtq community to to take into consideration when they travel i would say definitely do your research um we so we've done i think there's 11 southeast asian countries and we did mm-hmm. nine of them mm-hmm. um the ones that we didn't do is Brunei. Uh, just there. I mean, if you've read the news, you've heard that stoning is apparently a, a legal thing for wow. LGBT people, regardless if you're a tourist or not. Yeah. So, so which is kind of insane. And yeah, it's so like we stone ages. That <laughs> <laughs> we didn't want, you know, it's terrifying. Um, and uh, then the other was East Timor. East, yeah, yeah. yeah East we Timor. just heard that that was politically unsafe at the moment, so we didn't. But we there. also heard that it was unsafer gay travel or yeah yeah but um there's like websites that you can look um travel advisory websites even for not not even specific to lgbt that we we really try to stay up to date with that because um you never want to put yourself in a position that's you know scary but as you see like what one of my favorite like i forget exactly how the quote goes but um it's you know one of the best things about traveling is you realize how wrong you were about cultures after you get there and, and you embed yourself into it. And that's, and you know, it's special to me because you, you, you know, you have this backwards, you don't, you know, like mentality. mentality. You, you just assume, yeah. you know, because you see it through like TV or the lens of TV, but you don't actually yeah. get to feel it or experience it until you're there. And people are honestly incredible worldwide and there's so much good out there. And it's, it's, an, it's, that, that's the best part about travel. Honestly, mm-hmm. it's, you meet so many great people um, along the way. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely just, but going back to that, definitely do research on yeah. how. Yeah, you- I know the CDC's website is a good, is a good resource. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. We, we, we stay up to date with that. We're checking it all the time. Um, and then also uh, talking to people, literally. Uh, the good thing about social media these days is you don't have to wait days at a time to hear a response from someone. You can literally message someone in Taiwan and be like, hey, you know, I'm coming to Taiwan. Um, can you tell me a little bit about your country? Can you tell me a little about the city you're in? And then you know, we met people through Instagram being like, Hey, come here. I'll show you around. And we did. And now we have lifelong friends from it. And it's, and that's the best thing about social media is you can use that for your research and also meeting people 
Um, and, and those people can end up being the reason why that would be your favorite country, you know, like, um, and having that cool experience. And I don't know, it's, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, that is very cool. Do you think that if more people in the United States were to travel, <laughs> they would be a little bit more... Uh, and let's clarify, travel, not vacation. Right. Yeah, what's the word? More accepting. Um, because we're talking about all these other countries and learning about issues, and there's still issues in this country um, okay. a lot. Yeah, so, I mean, that's why we're putting up a 30-foot-tall border wall. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I mean, there's still a lot of people in this country who are not accepting at all. Who yeah. are who are living in a bubble? This virtually the Stone Age. I mean, but yeah. do you think travel would cure that for these people? I think what I've realized when we travel, there's so many. I mean, people from the lowest of the low, uh, like who don't have much, they know more about American politics, religion, people um, than we would ever know about them. And this is worldwide. People know about America, but a lot of times Americans don't know much about the world, right? So. I think that if you were to travel, it definitely opens up your mind um, and it, it allows you to become more aware and open-minded towards different cultures and religions. Um, and yeah, it's... I mean, you're from the South, so mm-hmm. I feel like it's a little different when you're talking to someone who's born or raised in New Jersey or New York area, just because there's so much diversity. Yeah. But coming from the South where, honestly, Kirstie's family is probably never met like a real Mexican or Chinese <laughs> Yeah, I, I didn't even really meet my first, you know, Spanish people until I moved to San Francisco. And, um, you know, it's really white black culture, which is great, too. But, um, yeah, it's it, I mean, this is these countries were the first time I had ever come across somebody with a hijab. Um, and that was intimidating for me, because even though I love cultures of all different kinds, you get told these things and then you realize that they're just people, too. You know, oh, um, yeah, yeah. And, and that's, the, you know, incredible. Um, and I think that that could happen with most people if they gave it a chance, if they yeah. just gave people a chance for traveling, you know, and meeting people that you realize that, oh, we have a lot more similarities as strangers. Everyone's human. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's a, been a consistent theme with almost every single person we've talked to mm-hmm. is that beyond, yeah. beyond, I mean, the geographic places and the architectural structures are amazing, but the people are what make trips mm-hmm. memorable and the most memorable part about people is finding out that they're not that different. Even if they speak a completely different language and look completely different, they still have the same desires. Yeah. I don't think I've ever met anyone traveling that came back a more narrow-minded person. (laughs) (laughs) It just doesn't doesn't happen. No. Um, It's just, it's not possible. (laughs) So um, that's, that's one of the cool things about it. I mean, even if like we've been to over 40 countries collectively, but um, you know, we still have so much to learn too, um, individually and as a couple. And, and I think that's exciting. And so it's not even just brand new travelers. It's every single day you're learning new things about new people. Um, and that's, that's really cool. There's always room to grow as cheesy as that is, but it's true. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Where yeah. do you have planned for your next trip? Uh, so we are, she's going to turn off the phone. Um, we are planning right now, um, South America. So we're kind of looking into Peru at the moment. Um, but we haven't booked it just because we're so back and forth on what we want to do. Cause now we're like, let's go to Spain. And then last week we were like, let's go to London too. And we're like, I'm saying, when are we going to South America? <laughs> um, I think we're shooting for February. We're going to shoot for either mid and, or late. And late February. Well, I know February is the rainy season for Peru. 
Yes. Mm, yeah. And so you and I and I believe Machu Picchu is closed that month. Uh, yeah, I think that Inca trail. trail is closed that month, but I still. Okay. I think you can visit Machu Picchu, but you can't do the Inca Trail. Okay. Um, that's right. every. I think that is every February, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. But I think if we're gonna go. At the end of February, we're hoping that by the time we get around to doing Machu Picchu after the the other sites, um, we're hoping it'll be back open and everything. Well, feel free to reach out to us because Elliot and I went to Peru together. We interviewed on this podcast food tour company people. um, That's amazing. Trekking people who bring people who you know who who work people to Peru. We interviewed a dude on um, uh, ayahuasca, which was pretty interesting. And. Yeah, we, we yeah. went through a full itinerary. And, and, so uh, let us know if you need help with that. Yeah, that'd be great. I mean, so she is a little bit of her background. Her 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 dad is Mexican and her mom is Peruvian Chinese. So she has a lot of family uh, okay. there. I'm, I kind of want to let's go meet them. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. If you have connections, use them. Yeah. Um, but we like it. I I would love to hear anything that you guys have to offer because that's you know you never know what places are going to be your favorite with. Yeah. Other people's opinions if they've the, been there already. <laughs> the one thing I wish we had done, we were only there for seven days. And yeah. Lima it itself is a culinary <laughs> capital of the world. It's got it's got just so many different uh nuances and backgrounds and different pieces of heritage that all combined to create this really cool culinary art basically in the city. Yeah. Uh, so if you can go to some fun restaurants, the food is oh, yeah. always gonna be amazing. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. The food food is what we do. Like we are it, all about the food. <laughs> it might have been the best food I think I've ever had. Maybe. Actually, I, I really enjoyed Croatia. Consistent consistently good food. Yeah. For the longest amount of time. We it's hard we to rec- find bad food. We recommend the guinea pig. Yes. Really? No. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I can't. Oh, they don't look a, as cute when they're fried. No, it's good. And they come out whole. No, so you get oh yeah. Well, see that that goes back to what I was saying before. You get exposed to things you yeah. <laughs> yeah. you wouldn't see just a guinea pig, you know, roasting. But um, I mean, we did try some really sketchy. Yep, thing. we tried lizard. Ooh, how was that? That wasn't originally our plan, though. We had gone yeah, out the night yes. before with some people we met uh, in the Philippines, and the next day they're like, "Hey, good morning." We were at their guest house, and they're like, "Good morning." Like we have breakfast ready, and I'm like, "Oh, they get rice, uh, eggs," you know. I got on stairs, and it is a full, like, two-foot-long <laughs> lizard. And I'm like, did you just go catch this thing? Like, where did you find this? <laughs> like the backyard. And it's, they had it chopped up, and they had mixed it together with all these spices. It's like adobo is what they call it. Adobo lizard, I guess. Yeah. Um, oh, adobo is one of my favorite dishes. It was delicious, though. That's the mind. Like, if I honestly wouldn't have – if I knew – if I didn't know what it was, I'd probably wait to eat the whole thing. But I think the fact that I saw its face, I yeah. was like, oh. Yeah. oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the claw. Yeah, they were running around with the claw chasing us. And we were like, oh, my God, this is too early for this. <laughs> <laughs> is that the oddest thing you've eaten on your travels, you think? Uh, that was one of the – yeah, that was up there. Yeah. I mean, what about I, bugs? You guys try bugs in, in Thailand or anything? No. Absolutely. No, no bugs? I, I did do the whole scorpion move. You did that. <laughs> yeah, she was that Whoa. person. Um, the what? The what? scorpion yeah um, oh you did the scorpion yeah. yeah so in thailand you'll see a bunch of people handing them out yeah mm-hmm. i think the how was it weirdest things we saw it was like charcoal it, uh, it was like crunchy. the burnt part of a fried chicken and it's actually quite hard and it crunches uh, oh yeah all right we're actually in myanmar and one of the weirdest things we saw he was like driving us around we were kind of not interviewing him but asking him all kinds of questions super awesome guy um, and he's driving us around on his tuk-tuk and he was like, Oh, I'm hungry. Do you guys want some food? 
And we're like, oh, we'll always eat, you know, whatever. So he pulls over on the side of the road and there's like this stand uh, where these ladies are sitting out and there's the big uh, pots of food. And we're like, oh, what do we got over here? And we look closer and you see teeth and you see rib cages. And we're like, wait, what is this? And they're like, it's rat. And we're like, uh, uh, yeah. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> and they're like, and over here is mice. So you have the big full on rats, <laughs> small rats. And he's like, I'll take the bag of each. And he's literally just eating it. And we were like, mm, I can't. <laughs> yeah. I've seen the New York rats. I can't do it. <laughs> they even had like a bag just of the heads. Yeah. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. Well, Elliot, when we were in Peru, we drove through that one town. And then on the side of the road, as you drive through the town, are people with giant spears. And on the end of the spear is a guinea pig, fried up, ready to go. Yep. So as you drive by, if you slow down, they'll stick the spear into the into the car and you grab yeah. the guinea pig and you hand them money and you just go on your way yeah. and you get a guinea pig to go. Imagine that happened in New York. <laughs> Here, use the spear. And the yeah. <laughs> With a fried rat. That on would it. be entertaining. Yeah, yeah. No big deal. Ugh. Oh yeah, what? I mean that would that would help with the rat problem, right? It probably would. Maybe we should take up a business. Yeah, there's there's a lot of rats in New York. I don't think yeah, anything's helping with that. Like, I can't do this. I can't even watch you. He was like, oh, no. that's interesting. No. Literally, it was crazy. I can I can yeah. still see it in my head. Right where now. where was this again? Myanmar. Yeah. Okay. Um, formerly Burma. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, in in closing. Uh, Elliot, what, what's the last question you want to ask today? <laughs> the last question I want to ask is how has travel impacted your life? Um, yeah. So I think traveling has only made me want to do more traveling. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's something that I want to do. I, it's hard for me to even decide on vacation versus travel. I always want to explore new places. Um, but I think it's also made me a lot more conscious and aware about the environment. Yeah. Um, just seeing things firsthand, um, like about pollution or global warming, um, you see these fires going on and it, you see things like the dead coral reefs and that's something you see firsthand. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. yeah. And you see firsthand the people that are actually like directly affected by it. And that's heartbreaking. Um, because here you're like, you hear about global warming, but you know, we haven't been directly directly affected yet. Um, but you're meeting people who are fishermen who have to wake up at two in the morning and drive their boat four hours out of the way just to try and catch a fish because there's no fish close to the cities anymore. You're meeting people who are fully struggling to feed their family because of the impacts of global warming and um, and the things that we do to our ecosystem. It's it's, it's scary. It's really sad. Um, but it's definitely you know. I think we're a lot more conscious about it now. So yeah. we do. Not that we didn't try before, but we we definitely try harder now. Yeah. And I think it's something that everyone should do. And I think that once you leave this area and we're so privileged to have plastic yeah. and all these things, and it's kind of like, well, if you leave this area, maybe it's not hurting here yet, but it's hurting everywhere else. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That definitely yeah. impacted us hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's like the food you eat, you eat, we've been eating better. Uh, we're more eco-aware of things. Um how we want to eat moving forward yeah and the people like i said you you're more open to you have more empathy automatically um yeah so i I feel like honestly it's just so much positivity completely in every direction um and it impacts you on a daily basis no matter even if you're not traveling anymore it it, it carries with you you know Yeah. yeah it's cool it's probably the same for you guys too right i mean it's growing up for then yeah yeah, it's it's always a learning experience, and 
you always come back inspired in some way, yeah. whether or not it's inspired to be more active or speak up more with, with environmental concerns because because you saw people, like you said, the, the fishermen losing their, their fish. You have people in island countries and island nations who are literally losing ground. Mm-hmm. I, I forget the name of this, this country, but there's a country somewhere in, in, in the South Pacific who they're done as a nation. They're expecting to move into a new country and just assimilate. Their yeah. entire existence as a nation and a culture will be gone because these people will, it, their, their culture is going to get watered down yeah. and yeah. they're done. And, yeah. and it's kind of in this country out of sight, out of mind. True. It is. And that's the type of country we are. Unfortunately, no one, I don't think this country is going to really do anything until it impacts us in, mm-hmm. in a significant way. Mm-hmm. That's just not the type of people we are. Now, mm-hmm. you know, Americans are very good that are in, in the regard that when impact does occur, we do, tend to work towards a solution and hopefully come up with one. But it's a shame that we're going to just um, wait until that occurs. You know, reactive instead of proactive. So um, I think, I don't know, I, I wish that we could spread the word on traveling more because I think that it really would help um, yeah. with everything, with, with right, right, the racial right. divide, with global warming, with everything. I mean, the more you travel, the more you find love is the most, the strongest thing. Um, and, and, and that's with everything. Um, I don't know. I just, yeah, I wish people would do it more. <laughs> travel. I, yeah. I think the, the most difficult thing with travel when you return is talking about it with someone who hasn't traveled Yes, because yeah. there's a bit of a barrier that they put up because Absolutely. they haven't, they haven't done it. And mm-hmm. sometimes they feel as if we're gloating and maybe some people talk about their travels and do gloat about it and yeah. say how great it was and that oh, yeah. they, everyone else should do it but there's, there's some definitely. openness that needs to be had for the people Absolutely. that haven't been able to travel sometimes people don't want to hear it they yeah. don't want to hear right. stories or they're like oh so anyways and they ask that the one or two questions which is fine but um it is hard to yeah it is hard to talk to people um, here especially yeah because when you travel and people people were not shocked that we were traveling for eight months outside of Americans. You know, everyone's like eight months. Oh, cool. I've been doing this for three and a half years. And you're like, what? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So I haven't been doing this long because Americans think I'm crazy. (laughs) So um, we have a different ideal of what life should be. Yeah. Yeah, It's encouraged um, to travel. Um, You're encouraged to take your vacation Uh a lot of the time. I feel like in other countries. And yeah, I think here it's, it's, it's funny. I was just saying this last night. Um, we do have so much privilege and we do make good money here. Um, but we're one of the biggest cultures that, that use money as an excuse, even though our currency goes so much further than most currencies and they do travel. Um, you know, we use that as an excuse uh, like that. We don't make enough money. We don't have enough time. And I'm like, you know, people with a lot less make it happen. And, yeah. and I think that that's, you know, shocking to me because we have the opportunity than mo- more than most most people do. Or even my parents. So I'm a first generation um, American here. Um, so my parents moved or immigrated or migrated from their country, so from Peru, from Mexico. And their first thought was, well, you have this saving, this budget saving that you have. Why don't you invest in a house? Yeah. Why don't you own some assets? And I think that as time moves, moves forward, I think generations are starting to realize that's not the American dream anymore. Mm. Um, and so it's funny because I feel like they kind of take back a little bit and, and this is how they use their American passport or like this, their American privileges. And it's kind of like, you have this passport, 
I'm just using, I'm, I'm yeah. exercising it right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The American dream can be now to travel instead of to own a house and to get the job and the, and the dog. Yeah. Um, right. So we're just using our American passports differently. Yeah. <laughs> it's bad. It's just, there's options. Yeah. Yeah. Different privileges. Well, yeah. Before, before we let but you if, go, if, if, if that's what you love, I mean, go for it. But I think that the opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. And yeah. Before we let you go, can you guys share your social media pages? We didn't even talk about your Instagram. <laughs> yeah, no on problem. airplane mode. Oh, yes. yes. On airplane mode. Um, and underscore. then there's two underscores. Uh, that's our Instagram. We also have a YouTube and Facebook um, on airplane mode travels, um, as well as our blog. Yeah, we're just we're just starting it. We have to launch it officially, but we can today on here uh, on airplanemode.net. Uh, this is what we use to kind of um, guide tips people and tips guides. Guides. Um, and it's where you can directly email us too if you have any questions about that. Um, so we encourage anybody that has to a moment to take a look at it. Um, we're going to be posting more and more of our travels through that. And I'm really excited. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank Thursday, you very much for coming. Yeah. Thank yeah, you for thank joining you us today. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, a quick picture of you guys. Say hi. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> For the gram. Hey. Awesome. Thank you. Here, guys wait, can, we do, can we do a uh, selfie? Oh yeah. Definitely. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Got it. Yes. I love it. <laughs> thank you guys All for right. having us. I appreciate thank it. Thank you. We'll be in touch. Okay. Yes, definitely. Thank you. All right. Bye guys. Bye. So it's always great to hear how travel influences people and changes their perspectives on not only the country that they visit, but themselves. And I think Kirsty and Christine provided really good insight on, on how impactful travel has been to them. Yeah. And it's nice to share that and hopefully they can continue to do that. I'm excited to follow them as they grow because they're undoubtedly going to be bigger and continue to influence the travel community and the LGBTQ travel community. Right. Yeah, I can see that too. I could definitely see that. You know, so after we got off the conversation with them, uh, one thing that I, that we didn't get into is how travel influences relationships. And I'm sure Kirsty and Christine learned a lot about each other on their journeys, especially several months in Southeast Asia together. It would have been funny to hear uh, maybe some of those stories, but I think we have a good podcast topic for a later date. Yes, definitely. All right, Bob, what is the trivia question for Kirsty and Christine? Ooh, all right. So if you listen to the podcast, you should know the answer. The trivia question is, what odd food did Kirsty and Christine eat for breakfast while in the Philippines? So if you know that, send us an email, send us a direct message, thetravelersblueprint at gmail.com or thetravelersblueprint on Instagram. Right, yeah. And uh, as always, thank you for listening. 